0: Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are doing our first ever two co-host episode. We're joined by two returning co-hosts. We'll get into that in a minute. Before we get into that and what the movie is, um, I would like to remind you all, please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice, Also, please make sure to rate and review us if you're enjoying the show. We actually just got our 30th rating on iTunes, which is uh, really awesome. It's, it's, It's hard out there trying to get people to rate and review podcasts. But you know what? We really appreciate it when you do. So uh, you should also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group, and go sign up for our mailing list on our website, piecingpod.com, and follow us on social media, at piecingpod. All right, now that I got all that out of the way, today is the movie Glass. This is a movie that many nerds like myself have been waiting for for 20 years. This is the sequel to M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable, and a few years ago we got... The surprise first sequel, which was the movie Split, uh, starring James McAvoy, which we didn't know was going to be a sequel until the end credits started to roll, and then... We all collectively lost our minds, and now just a couple years later, we're back with the full sequel that brings the characters of both those movies together and completes the story, and uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag, um, as most modern day M. Night Shyamalan movies are, but that being said, uh, there's plenty to like about this movie, and despite its flaws, I found myself enjoying it quite a bit, and we had a lot of fun talking about it, so let's jump into the conversation with two of our returning favorite co-hosts, Ryan Darty and Chad Clinton Freeman. All right, so we are doing something a little bit different today on the show. We've got with us two of our returning co-hosts. With us today is Chad Clinton Freeman and Ryan Darty. How are you guys doing?
1: Great, good, great, good. great.
0: This is going to be interesting, you guys. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Should be fun. Should be fun. I, I was thinking, um, you know, th- this it could get a little messy with all of us, uh, you know, jumping in with our puzzle pieces and everything, but it's probably not going to be more messy than glass. So it uh, we, we should, we should work out one way or another. So. I, I do want to um, say
2: right off the bat, this is like a really good movie to be doing this sort of crossover episode with um, yeah. because like uh, Glass and Unbreakable and Split, they're all about like different sides of the same coin. Um, mm-hmm. And I especially, uh, anyone who's a member of our uh, Piecing It Together podcast discussion group, which you should totally join. Uh, Chad yes. and I both start a lot of conversations on there. Um, and in particular, like, I think Chad and I like a lot of the same things in a general sense. And then once you get down to the specifics... We have very different tastes, <laughs> but like we yeah. all still kind of come from the same root of interests and appreciations. And Dave, you tend to like frequently kind of be in the middle of that. Uh, so yeah. I think that like for a movie like this, it's like perfect to bring us all together of liking different things, disliking different things, and just kind of like fully covering it and getting to do a crossover about. What fourteen months in the making? Podcast been going on for a little over a year now, something like that. No,
0: no, not quite. A year will oh, be really? March, so oh, yeah, wow. we are just okay. before the year mark. Oh, yeah. okay, so
2: yeah. eleven months in the making, then by the <laughs> yes, time
0: this right. airs.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so I, I do think this is going to be fun, and um, yeah. you know, it, it's it's definitely a movie that even uh, aside from just us, I mean, opinions are just all over the mark yeah. mm-hmm. with this exactly. one. So it's going to be. Interesting to see where we all come in on these things. Um, I'm expecting a relatively long conversation here. So I think we should kind of just jump right in and and we'll be getting to various other notes and thoughts as we go through it. Um, which one do you guys, do you guys want to fight for it or something? A big superhero <laughs> fight? Who wants to go first? <laughs> um, well, so I've got one that isn't so much a puzzle piece, but is something I would like
2: to talk about and get out of the way. Um, okay. So I'll jump in with that, and then you or Chad can jump in with like a real puzzle piece. Um, okay. Which is, based on what I was thinking about this movie and how I feel about it, the number one thing I've been thinking of, and uh, Dave, I know your opinions on this movie, but is uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, the Star Wars movie that came out recently. Because there are a okay. lot of very legitimate reasons to dislike The Last Jedi. But anyone who does like The Last Jedi will write off your disliking it as being like, oh, well, you just didn't like who like Luke turned out to be. Or like, oh, you didn't like, like this thing. Like, all about like, oh, you didn't like it because it didn't satisfy your expectations. It's like, no, I didn't fucking like it because it was a bad movie. <laughs> like, totally different <laughs> reasons. And Glass... I feel like everyone I've talked to so far when I'm like I don't like it they're like oh you probably just didn't like it cuz it didn't end in like a cool fight scene and it's like well like <laughs> yeah I w- that would have been nice but that's not why I didn't like it or like oh you didn't like it cuz like Bruce Willis just like didn't turn into like this like super god king and it's like well that's not what I wanted either. like I have legitimate reasons for not having been a fan of this movie but because of the way it's so built around like subverting expectations and stuff like that I feel like it's impossible to to say you like this movie and have someone objectively listen to why you didn't like it. Uh, I think very that's a really like interesting
0: point.
1: Jedi.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, just really impromptu, really quick before we continue. Uh, let's go Ryan first. Last Jedi or Glass? What did you like more?
2: Oh, uh, Glass. Okay, um, what about Chad?
0: What do you like more? Glass. Okay, there we go. Um, I, I, J- like, I like Jedi, Last Jedi but... more and I I don't like Star Wars and I like Last Jedi more. <laughs> the Last Jedi I, has I, scenes
2: I would rather watch. <laughs> like there like the problem with glass for me is there's not a single moment in Glass, that like even the best parts of it, there was at least like a dozen things that I hated that were happening at any given point. <laughs> um, which is more due to the fact that I'm very set up for failure and that I love the stories M. Night Shyamalan tells, but I don't like his directing or his cinematography or his dialogue or the performance that he coaches yeah. out of his actors so so like you like the I, opening so, credit sequences so yes he likes So take it with a huge grain of he salt likes the idea that,
3: of m night but he doesn't yes, really like
2: him. that's actually so <laughs> true Man um so so for so i did have to take it with a grain of salt that sometimes those scenes that like i was like oh this is amazing but there's like a half dozen things i didn't like i would have had that same complaint about an identical scene happening in unbreakable which is oh let's get this out of the way real quick um so like unbreakable split glass did everyone already like both of the prequels going into this or did anyone like love or hate one? Or- oh yeah
3: definitely Okay, yeah. I, I I uh loved Unbreakable, and uh I guess I'd say I pretty much loved uh Split as well. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm in the same boat. And I loved yeah. Unbreakable. I liked Split. I, I liked Split. I didn't love it, but it was good. Um, Unbreakable is probably one of my top twenty favorite movies. I mean, I, I would agree I with that. It's it's on my list for sure. Um, and then like Split, like.
2: It's hard for me to say because, like, if anyone else besides James McAvoy played that role, it probably would have been terrible. Like, so oh, yeah. much of the heavy lifting of that movie is done by him um, that, like, I don't actually know how I genuinely feel about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's jump into the next puzzle piece. Yeah. Chad, what, what's your first uh, non-Last Jedi puzzle piece? <laughs> okay. okay.
3: So, so, Last Jedi was actually a good jumping off point. Um, for the first puzzle piece, because uh, me totally, uh, I, this film is totally like a smaller scale version of Batman v Superman. Totally Definitely in yeah. so many ways. Uh, I feel like that this movie even has its own Martha moment, even. Um, yes, you know, yes, it um, very
2: much does. I, so I mean, it, <laughs> and out of it, the
3: way, I do think it was done just as
2: poorly in glass <laughs> as I thought it was done in Batman versus Superman. So don't um, say that I unfairly hate on DC. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean, uh, seriously though, th- this is very much. Uh, uh, this is the thing I didn't like about this movie is that. It very much, and and I know this is this is very much how M Night operates, but it's mm-hmm. it so tells you what's going to happen, and then tells you what happened, and then explains what happened as well. It's like, yeah, oh, we're really really subverting comic books, and it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, Batman Batman v Superman did that in a way where it pissed so many people off, like Last Jedi. And didn't tell you that it was doing it, and I think in a lot of ways people didn't even realize that that's why they hated it. Um, this mm-hmm. one does it, and all the while it is telling you that, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> explaining it. It's for it's it's really a dumbed down version, I feel, of that movie, smaller scale version of that movie. Uh, I mean, seriously, in so many ways, because Glass himself, he he's you know like Sluther. And uh, this kind of also gets into Suicide Squad a bit as well. So it's almost like what DC's been doing um, yeah. in the whole Zack Snyder era, uh, like kind of crammed into to one movie so
2: there's like a a dc executive right now who like the minute you said the words a dumber version of batman versus superman just like a tingle ran down his (laughs) spine (laughs) of like regardless of if you like batman v superman or not like i don't think it's typically talked about in the concerns of like how smart of a movie it is and m night is usually hailed as you know too smart for his own good so i think that's like a very interesting flip which i wouldn't necessarily disagree with
3: well well I, i i personally i i do feel that bo- both filmmakers, I feel Zack Snyder and M Night, yeah. I think, are very smarter than people give their credit. Give them credit yes. for, yes. but this one, I feel like that he really he went too overboard with basically yes. trying to make people understand what was going on, uh, and that so that was my big, big complaint with it. One. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I agree. I agree completely. He, he he he. Every single twist, every single turn is so telegraphed. It's like. It's just constantly just just banging away at the same idea over and over again. And, uh, you know, I I almost feel like, and like not to jump immediately to like the twists at the end and everything, but I feel like each twist could have been its own movie. Like it could have been the ending of its own movie. And he had to just squeeze all these things in. He had all these ideas, and I wonder, you know, he claims that he had the the main ending in yeah. mind ever since Unbreakable. I, yeah. I wonder if he... If he really did have that in mind, if he had all of the other endings in mind as well, or if he just kept having more and more ideas over the years and just decided, "Fuck it, I'm going to use every last one of these ideas I've come up with."
2: Well, so so uh, um, the horde was originally in the first version of the script for Unbreakable, right? As like the henchman, like the muscle, basically. Um, so that wouldn't necessarily, but, like, yeah, it was to the point when I went in with someone who hadn't seen Unbreakable, I was like, oh, yeah, and it's, like, super obvious the train that killed Kevin's dad is the same train that, like, Bruce Willis got his powers in. She's like, oh, did they say it? And I was like, no, but, like, I don't even think they're gonna say it, because it's so obvious. And then they spend, like, ten minutes, like, re-explaining the, like... Like, oh, in case you didn't notice that, like, because they're, they're calling this the East Rail 117 Trilogy now, and they have been even since before, like, Glass came out. And I was right. like, all right, well, I guess if if there was any doubt in my mind that that wasn't the same train, like, the name of the trilogy kind of gave it away. Do
0: you right. think if there's a fourth one, it will be a, uh, a another character that they discover was on that train, but we just didn't know about?
2: Well, a lot of people went into this movie thinking that the girl was going to get superpowers based on the end of the Oh, Split.
3: I thought
0: that, too. Yeah. That's Absolutely. what I thought, too. I mean,
3: but of course, see, that's the thing. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, her character is Wonder Woman. If you is think about listen. Batman v. Superman, Wonder <laughs> Woman didn't do a lot in it. So, see? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> um it's I, I will say uh dave specifically in response to your like did he throw a bunch of things in um there's one line which i hate and think single-handedly saved a lot of the shitty stuff at the ending of the movie is like when mm-hmm. when samuel L. jackson is dying and he goes no 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 this was just another origin story and he kind right, of right and and that was like a throwback to Um, original Unbreakable, how you kind of didn't necessarily realize it was a superhero origin story the entire time. You thought it was going to like end in this big climax, but it just kind of ends by introducing the villain. Um, This sort of doubles down on that and does it on a grander scale. So I do actually think that like and I don't mean this as a compliment, he did intend to do everything he did in the ending of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that was all his own volition.
0: Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dave, I don't know if you have a puzzle piece or you're going to jump in next, but I do have one that piggybacks really well off of um, what Chad was saying with... Okay, mine does.
0: Mine does too. But I'll let oh, you okay. go first.
2: Yeah, why don't you, okay. do you go ahead with yours? So I'm going to get this one out of the way, and this is the one that I warned you about as like an example of how I didn't like this movie very much. Um, Scream three, specifically. <laughs> okay, bear with me. There aren't a lot of most meta movies don't get sequels to begin with, and there's not a lot of so there's not a lot to draw from in terms of like sequels to movies that are built around their meta. But Scream one very much was characters knew they were in a slasher and referenced it while at the same time being a very, very good slasher and kind of taking mm. the piss out of some of the tropes. Um, and, and in my opinion, it worked really well. I think I think Scream 1 is an amazing satire and an amazing slasher. It works on both levels. Uh, and Unbreakable sort of does too. But then by the time you get to Scream 3... There's like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I'll, I'll spoil it for, you know, spoiler alert 20 years later. Jamie Kennedy's character dies and records a video recording being like, mm-hmm. yo, know, just so you guys know, here's what to expect in this right, movie. Right, right. And like he completely lays it down in a way that feels so much less organic than in the first movie and also is like very clearly being like, do you get what we're doing? We're deconstructing the genre. Um, and it was like like so much of like Samuel L Jackson's dialogue and Sarah Paulson's dialogue felt to me like Jamie Kennedy. As a, you know, from the beyond VHS ghost explaining like, well, now when you're in the third part of a superhero movie, you really got to have this because you reveal the origins that somehow bring the hero closer together to the villain and just doing the same kind of thing. But like with so much less nuance than right. Unbreakable <laughs> did, which I think ties in extremely well to what um to what Chad was saying. About how like instead of like show don't tell or tell don't tell like in this one like M Night Shyamalan was just doing tell and then tell
0: again like yes he
2: completely absolutely
0: <laughs> uh, M Night himself could be a superhero called the deconstructor and he deconstructs <laughs> this right <It's> like... <laughs> well see and, and
2: and
3: that that's that's the thing there is that it he he M Night pretty much like kind of deconstructs himself with each movie and so he kind of he kind of gets boxed into i have to do this and i have to do that and then that's where he really gets into like this like i feel like almost a fight with himself as a filmmaker and then that's where like he's like okay so i really got to deconstruct the the comic book uh movies and I got to tell them how I'm doing it. And then I've got to deconstruct my own (laughs) movies at the same time. And then I've got to, I've got to make this tie into the unbreakable. I mean, it's just like, that was definitely the problem with this one. Is this just trying to do all of that as opposed to just having, which is what was so great about uh, split is that it was just a unique, weird world that he threw us into and then yep. all of a sudden it was like, boom, oh, this ties in. So it was so brilliant right. in that way. Whereas this one, it was like, okay, so let's tie in everything, including, hey, I'm M. Knight. I was in Split playing a character. <laughs> that character was in an Unbreakable also, but he, he was different then, remember? And so it's just like... <laughs> man uh. there was a
0: small there was a small moment when bruce willis is getting out of the uh psych, uh the uh mental institution and he's getting his stuff back and he gets a uh a necklace with a ring on it mm-hmm. and i i swear i didn't remember that from unbreakable if he used to wear that for a very split second i thought are they gonna fucking tie this into the sixth sense with with Damn. the ring. like I, I actually <laughs> like his, wait a minute. his wife was like the only instance of subtle storytelling
2: in the entire film. Like oh that might God. be the the Dave, only thing Dave, that like. Dave, you just didn't...
3: you just ruined the sequel because
0: obviously <laughs> yeah, right. he goes
3: on to be the guy in the sixth sense. Oh my.
2: Oh,
0: because he's dead now.
1: Right!
2: (laughs) Oh, fuck. If we want to give M. Night way more credit than he deserves, it could be argued that the entire over-explaining thing is a deconstruction of how dumb superhero movies are nowadays and how they have to be very unsubtle and it's all just explosions and exposition about, like, gods from 900 years ago who are, like, back to destroy Earth. So if we really, really want to... Not be bothered by that. I think that's the best bet is to say that M Night was deliberately doing that to be like, see how dumb it is when you explain everything to your audience. <laughs> I love it. I love that's, it. That's my new... I, I was explaining to, to Chad beforehand that this entire podcast is going to be me trying to convince myself that I
0: like this movie. Like, right? I'm going to be like I, looking I find, for any yeah, angle I, find I can. I find I'm liking it more as, as I think about it. I'm liking it more, but I don't think I will ever cross over into like, liking it, liking it. It's just like, it's, it's, it's all right. It's fine. Um, but, but, uh, I, I'm going to go with my first puzzle piece here. (laughs) Um, and it is a, it is a bucket as we sometimes do. It is the films of Kevin Smith. Uh, specifically okay, mall yes. Rats Chasing Amy, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, all the movies where they go on and on about comic books and yes. comic book movies and what it means to, you know, what comic books mean and what they mean to them. And, uh, you know, these characters, they, they never quite stop. And we, we've been touching on that a little bit uh, in, in some of the things we were talking about in the, the previous puzzle pieces here. But, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just a, a, a constant... Uh, explaining to the audience of what comic books are and why, you know, nerds love comic books, basically. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Smith did that really well in those movies. It was really fun. Um, and I just think it's been done many, 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 many times since then. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's necessary anymore. I think we all know what an origin story is. We all know, you know, a lot a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, tropes within the comic book world. Yeah. Uh, but but still, M Knight's going for it with this one. <laughs> no, that is
2: yeah. That's man. I didn't even think of that. I I definitely at one point tried to think of if like Kevin Smith had actually directed a superhero movie because I was like I would probably be pretty similar to that. Uh, and then I like just inevitably got drawn back to the Nicolas Cage Superman that he wrote. And then I just got sad right. and stopped thinking about anything else <laughs> in life.
0: Yeah that that that's 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 the sad place to go from there you
2: you don't you don't you don't think anymore once you get to nick cage in a mullet
0: with a superman costume like that's where the thinking stops it's just the best though It's the fucking best <laughs> Speaking of which I, w- I watched Kick-Ass last night For the first time in years and, Oh uh, It's he, an amazing he, movie he's, he's the best He's the best Oh god he's so, He didn't tell anyone He was going
2: to do that voice Until he got on set That's just a fun fact In case you weren't aware of that He just like was, Well I think he told the director But like especially And like the kids They didn't get it Because they didn't know Who Adam West was anyway So right. <laughs> like, Can you imagine You just show up and You're like Oh Nicholas Cage Is the most famous actor I've ever worked with and his first lines he goes, Good
0: job, kick ass I'm yes. like,
2: What like, <laughs> <laughs> So good. So,
1: good.
0: Well, so Uh so, so Chad, what's your next puzzle piece? Well, well I was gonna say,
3: so you brought up kick-ass, is it is it not a puzzle piece here though? You just throwing it out there. Hey, yeah, you could use it. You could uh, No 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 it, no no, no. I, I, I I hadn't seen it in years either. I I I can't recall. Um I, I debated doing it, it but I to... very
2: distinctly remember a review I read once and um that, like, talks about, like, Kick-Ass had the unfortunate distinction of kind of being the first movie to take the piss out of superhero movies right after taking the piss out of superhero movies had already become a trope. Like, uh, like in a, basically, it's, like, after, like, Watchmen and stuff, like, any, like, edgy anti-superhero movie is also in its own way, you know, a trope of its own. Uh, which is foreshadowing gotcha. that I will talk about Watchmen more later. So I would say, Chad, <laughs> you should talk about your next puzzle piece. <laughs>
3: well, um, I okay. So I'm going to jump us from comic books and uh, superheroes, um, actually into uh Russian uh mobsters. So uh, okay. Eastern <laughs> Promises, David Cronenberg's okay. oh. uh, 2007 movie, Eastern Promises. Um, I don't know what it was. There was something that very much reminded me of that movie. that That's my favorite Cronenberg movie. Um, And I know, I remember at the time when I saw that film, there was something about it structurally that just reminded me of Unbreakable. Because it's kind mm-hmm. of like a, a first act where, you know, Unbreakable was yeah. very much, yeah, it kind of ends after the first act of the movie. You know, especially if it was like a Tarantino movie, you know that would be part 1 uh yeah so i to me right, that's, right. that's that's a that's a lot how eastern promises was and then i started thinking about the tattoos the tattoos played a big part in eastern promises and it's a film you know basically about uh this secret society uh that you know does these really horrible things um and just the the the, the way it is kind of like a realistic kind of gritty kind of movie as well um there's just a lot of things i felt that uh this film paralleled in a, in a lot of ways not that this movie was ultra realistic or gritty but as a comic book movie it, it definitely was um right so um, side yeah exactly exactly uh and and not only that though because as i'm watching uh as i'm watching glass um i i i I loved how every time that he turns into the beast he takes his shirt off and at first i thought he had actually taken all his clothes off and i kind of like was like kind of like he should have did that he should have stripped naked every time he became the beast and then it made me made me think back to the fight scene (laughs) and these are promises which is totally badass of uh, oh, yeah. Vigo Mortensen fighting in the nude. <laughs> so you know, anyway, I've never yeah. seen
2: the movie, but I know of that scene specifically because, of, oh, like, fantastic. the only reason I know the movie is <laughs> oh, that it, scene. <laughs>
3: it's a it's a great movie. It's, to me, it's definitely it, it's Carnemberg's best. It's my favorite of okay. his, and it's, uh, Vigo is a total just badass in it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it is a great movie, and I haven't seen it in years, but I, it was just a, the, there was something that kept. Making me think of that, and then there was all these yeah. little things, like I just mentioned, and then I was like, I was like, yeah, the beast should have totally been nude. I mean, especially that that final, uh, you know, fight scene, him in the nude. I don't yeah. know, just <laughs> <laughs> of course, M Knight, M Knight's not the kind to go there, so. It's just
2: uh, like riding that Deadpool wave of trying to make every move like the opposite of what most superhero movies do. Like, try, how can we make this R somehow? Quick! James McAvoy, (laughs) take off all of
1: your clothes. James McAvoy's
2: dick. Okay, no, no, no. But the other reason it'd be terrible is every time he's the beast, he's hanging upside down. So I don't know that I want to see naked James McAvoy (laughs) hanging from the ceiling like a grotesque Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. Like, just (laughs) pouncing. I think I want to see that. I want to see it, but it's a very different movie. <laughs> like, like I, I don't want Samuel L. Jackson wearing purple suits in that movie, or really anything besides <laughs> just naked, upside down, James McAvoy. Different film
0: altogether. <laughs> so, Ryan, what's your next puzzle piece? All
2: right, well, if we're talking about super movies that, superhero movies that have people's dicks in it, let's go with Watchmen, <laughs> since I forgot to read it. <laughs> So, I do. Is there? Are, there's got to be penises. In, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan. What the fuck am I? Thinking? Yes, yes. Um, like that wasn't even what I was getting at at first. I just assumed oh, that, like in oh, that. I I think in the extended cut you see Night Owl's dick. So like I was just going off of that. Um. So Watchmen, in, in a couple different ways. Um. So first of all, I I do still definitely think that Watchmen is the single best deconstruction. Of the superhero genre. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that Watchmen the comic is such an amazing deconstruction of the genre as well. And Zack Snyder is, like, really, really good at, like, closely adapting material. So I think, you know, that movie said a lot of what needs to be said about, like, yo, it'd kind of be really weird if... Super, like, like, if our world was mostly the same but superheroes were real, like, it, it they'd be pretty fucking weird. Like, and... Nothing else has really fully captured that besides, you know, Watchmen. And and the other thing is, I think a lot about how Watchmen has a lot of flaws, but there's really... I don't think there's any way it could do a better job of what it was trying to do. And I've been sitting thinking around about, like, with glass. Like, what would I change about it? And besides the stuff, like, I, I had problems with the pacing and the editing, like, for the story it was trying to tell, it probably did the best version it could of that story. Like, you know, the execution could have been better. Um, but so I just feel like they're like, I never thought I'd call Watchmen the more successful version of anything else. Um, <laughs> and like, like I, I, love, I love Watchmen, but like, anyone who hates it, I don't blame them at all. For it, um, and I feel like I'm on the opposite side of that with like glass. Um, Chad, Chad do, do you like fan, Watchmen? Right? Chad, I, I, I know you like. Yes, that I, in general. I,
3: I, I love uh, Watchmen, uh, and I very much see uh, Watchmen as, um, it's basically the original uh, Batman v Superman. Not to to come yes. back to the greatest movie ever, but uh, <laughs> I, I definitely see. Uh, Batman v Superman as a version of Watchmen, um, so so yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, it was you can call it the best. It was definitely the the first uh, yeah. uh, as far as really deconstructing uh, the superhero movie. Um, and I I thought of Watchmen as well in watching this one. Of course, to me, yeah. uh, I see Watchmen and 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 BBS very very. Uh, tightly, uh yes. Very much. Uh, I just structurally, thematically, there's so many, so many things to it. Now, yes. The the thing with this one is, is that it wants to be as smart as Watchmen. It wants to be as smart as Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, but it's not as smart as it wants to be. No. <laughs> uh, so that's that's his main thing. I think that Watchmen is too smart for people. I think Batman v Superman is too smart for people. I know most people will argue with me on that, and uh, <laughs> perhaps they don't pick up on everything that I pick up on with it. But um, so yeah, I mean, totally. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, similarities, um, and uh, not quite. I don't feel it connects quite as much as BVS does. Uh, but totally. I mean, I think I think that those two movies. I mean, if M Knight hadn't seen those movies and used those as inspiration, I think he should go yeah. watch those
0: movies watch and uh,
3: remake this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah they,
1: saying, they have similar
0: goals, all three <laughs> of them, really similar goals, and just not the right approach. Really. I, I
2: would say that the biggest difference, um, and maybe this is why you think it doesn't connect to as unbreakable as much, but which uh, or to glass as much, but why I actually think it does more. Is um is specifically I feel like um, Batman v Superman is kind of more of a deconstruction of the people, whereas yeah. Watchmen is more of a deconstruction of. Um, of the tropes themselves, mm. like like gotcha. like uh, Batman v Superman, you know takes the the really rich concept of the fact of like uh, Superman is like a Christ like figure and like the cult like worship around him, which is a thing that like a movie hadn't explored before. Um, but to me, that's very much a like well, what if we focused on Superman in a vacuum? How would the world affect? And then I think like Batman v Superman is kind of a He did that to Batman, he did that to Superman, and now those worlds are colliding. Whereas Watchmen, to me, is a little more, how would the world as a whole change or, like, be impacted Mm -hmm. by all these things? I think that's kind of not fair to do the comparison because Watchmen is so much more closely entwined with, like, alternate reality politics and the alternate history timeline and stuff like that. But, like, you know, um, Glass was very much trying to be like... Here's a trope. Let's have a character say that trope out loud, and then the opposite happens. Ha ha! Isn't that smart? Like,
0: <laughs> right? Poor M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> That's all I could come up with. Oh man.
1: I will admit um, the one really quick, the one
2: thing that um, so I am curious with you guys did did you guys call it that he wasn't going to make it to the tower for the fight that it was going to end before that? Did you guys both? think that was pretty obviously telegraphed or did you actually expect them to fight on the rooftop?
1: Oh,
3: I I did to not honest, expect it, but I I didn't um I mean I I I just didn't see that happening. I I didn't feel okay, that that sure. was going to happen. But it wasn't that yeah, I was I like honestly it's not had
0: no happen. clue. Okay. Yeah, I, I I didn't know what was gonna happen, and I don't mean it in a suspenseful good way. I was just like, yes. I I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Like, like <laughs> I have no idea what they're going for right, anymore. And like, I don't know what's be
2: happen. the big fight on the roof, and that's like, oh, that's a superhero thing. Or it could be the haha, ha, they didn't even make it to the roof because comic books aren't real. Ha ha, I'm so smart, and yeah. I think the only thing that was going against me. Um, and Dave, you you used to live in Philadelphia, right? Or am I uh, it's
0: In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, in okay. But, so, yeah. so
2: I I grew up very close to Philadelphia, so I, I always love uh, M. Night's love affair with right. the Philadelphia skyline. Uh, and that was the only reason I... That was the only thing that surprised me in the entire movie. Everything else about that movie, you could see, uh, you know, a million miles away. I thought they were going to make it to the tower just because I thought M. Night wanted to film a scene in his view of the Philadelphia skyline. Um, mm-hmm. So that was working against me, was I was like, oh, I know your tricks, M. Knight. You're just forcing this tall building in because you want to get some shots of the skyline. And then for once, M. <laughs> M. Knight actually was too
0: clever, and he did fool me. He beat you. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking got you, Ryan. Oh, so, man. I, so... I, he,
2: he is the real mastermind. So
3: not, not to interrupt the discussion here, but sure. I had an important question popped in my head cuz okay. it's the first time I've ever actually spoken to Ryan. Um yes. so uh, you you said you had grown up uh Philadelphia uh, uh was it the playground where you spent most of your days? Uh just curious. Uh you
2: know for a while I would I would I would chill out max and relax all cool a lot. Um but then uh this one time there were a couple of guys and a whole thing happened. It was it was weird. Um but now I'm on the West Coast. Okay. Uh, so. Okay yeah yeah that's you you know a tale as old as time really uh all right so dave what do you got
0: yeah so i'm gonna go to my next puzzle piece uh my next one is uh a movie i don't think a lot of people saw uh it's the jeff nichols film midnight special okay Um, yeah yeah. that's the uh that's the
2: michael shannon one
0: yeah, yeah my, well, Michael okay. Shannon's in all all of his movies, but okay. yeah, it, okay. Michael <laughs> Sand is in it, and his kid may or may not have some kind of superpowers, and there is a secret organization after him. Sure, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I saw a lot of parallels with that, and the, just the question whether or not these people actually do have super, you know, superpowers, which is kind of the central question of yes. Glass, which uh, uh, Doctor Staples, I think it is, is yeah. is trying to. Trying to trick them into thinking that they don't actually have powers while at the same time trying to trick us, the audience, into it. Um, And so that that central question of whether or not uh, these people actually do have powers or if it's just um, the high end of what a normal person could do if they're, uh, you know, just at the right moment in the right time and everything. Um, so I thought that was an interesting parallel. I, I actually kind of dug that a little bit. That's one of the yes. things I did like about the movie. Oh,
2: I think that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah to be honest. I agree. Like the, I, agree. I, I would say, honestly, one of the best scenes, and this is this ties back to my favorite stuff about Unbreakable 2, um, is that um, so much of the movie is about people who just desperately need something to believe in. Uh, and I think the best scene, the best scene in Unbreakable, uh, one is probably the, uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson limping his way down the stairs, uh, trying to see if, uh, Bruce Willis' powers are real or not. Um, Mm. and he's, like, and, like, you know he's gonna fall down the stairs and break every bone in his body, but, like, he just so desperately needs to know, like, is... Is there something bigger out there? And likewise, I think actually the best scene in this movie was when Kevin started doubting his own powers. When the other personalities, like when Patricia was like, what if I am crazy and just really strong? Um, (laughs) And and, and I was like, you know, I kind of figured that like, you know, um, Bruce Willis would maybe buy into it a little. But that like Kevin would 100% be like, no, I'm super powered. Uh, and then they did take it in that direction, and of the and I honestly might have been okay if they like pushed that angle even further, um, mm-hmm. and and like genuinely did have them convinced for a little bit, or you know, I don't know, Samuel L. Jackson retroactively having superpowers when he was just like a vaguely smart dude in the first one, and now he's apparently so smart that like a secret
0: society has to like take him down. It was a bit of power creep there. But... I, I love that he uh he he was like the master hacker coder guy, like like straight out of like Hackers or something from the 90s. <laughs> oh, M. Like, night knew that, that, was, that was stupid that was kind when he of did funny. There's, there's yeah. not a doubt in my mind
2: <laughs> that like like he was like I, – I, I that's the one thing I would give him credit for where he's probably like, well, it's kind of unreasonable that Lex Luthor is good at everything too, huh? It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's also not shitty when it happens in a Superman movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... I hate these movies that can just use genre and homage as a defense for when they do things bad. (laughs) This is is like when we did The Predator all over again. Right, right? (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Um, So I think we're up to Chad, right? What's Chad's next puzzle?
3: Well, the the one you brought up, Midnight Special, which uh, I didn't even think about that one. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that movie, though but i I, I, mm-hmm. I uh, totally uh, was digging what you were saying and how that tied into it and I thought of a couple of um smaller um, uh, probably even indie uh, scale uh, superhero films uh, that came out uh, let's see uh, I believe 2006 was uh, the one called special with Michael Rapoport. Um I don't know if mm-hmm. either of y'all seen that um it's no, a a, no. a guy who who goes and he starts taking antidepressant medicine um and he um either does or thinks he does have superpowers um yeah. and it toys with that of is he really just totally i mean in the, in this one it, it it doesn't really uh hide it uh, that he's you know going off the rails crazy and it, and it really kind of plays fun with, you'll see his version of what he sees, and then you'll see what's really going oh, okay. on. Uh, so, so so yeah, but I, I definitely thought of that film, and then also there's a, another one uh, that more so hit it, and that was this uh, Australian movie. Uh, it was uh, 2010, it came out, called Griff the Invisible. Um, and uh, it... it uh, again with it 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 really plays with it is i mean is he really invisible does he have super hours? does he you mm. know do these these really cool things or is it all in his head and it kind of leaves it really open until like the end but um uh, both of those were ones that came to mind um of course uh on the uh bigger end uh James Gunn uh his first uh i think one of his bigger you know, successful films, of course, with Super. And it kind of... uh, So it it doesn't go that route of him actually thinking that he has super, uh, you know, powers or anything, but it kind of plays with uh, the comic book world. The same sort of idea, though, in that uh, he just wants to become one, and then he just starts dressing up and being one. Um, But, um, I mean, I I definitely thought of, of those, like, lower... Scale superhero movies. The only yeah. thing is that this one totally it 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 actually you know it it it's weird in a way because it's kind of like those but it's kind of a lot different because you've you've still got the 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 world as we know it exists with the comic books so it's all referenced in that way but these characters outside of Glass himself I mean. They don't care that much about comic books, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the um, uh, uh, Bruce Willis character, he it's not like he is obsessed with uh, being a superhero and he wants to be one. So yeah, uh, right. that's the, the, that's the the interesting thing about this one that they didn't have to like really hit you over the head with all the comic book like things. I mean, it definitely you've got. Uh, you know Samuel Jackson's character. They should have just let him be the one that does that, and they just kind oh, of. Oh my god! You know
2: his mother forcing. Oh yeah, explanation yeah, 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 yeah. Was yeah, probably oh, my single least favorite part of the movie. She's like, <laughs> "Oh, I do believe he talked about a thing they called what was that word? A showdown." It's like, bitch, you know what a showdown is? Like, like it's not even a, not, comic not, book not a comic. That's not a comic book term. term. That's that's just a <laughs> word when people fight. And like, and like she said the same thing again, like while her son is dying, she was like, but what about the gathering at the, at the public square? I was like, these are, this is how you're going to spend the last words talking to your dying son. Is like, going to be like, but what about the gathering at the public square? I believe you called it a showdown once. Yes, mother. And now I'm going to die because you wasted all this time.
0: You just, you just dropped this movie a full star for me. Dude, she was <laughs> she bringing was, that back up. I like, completely forgot about that. Can we it's talk so about the roller bad. coaster I had
2: on, on her and the son? Which was when both of them first appeared on camera, I was like, that's so cool that they got the same kid. And then the minute he started acting, I was like, oh, this was <laughs> a bad choice.
1: And then,
2: bad idea. And then sort of the same thing with the mother, who I believe the mother is actually like a very accomplished actor. Uh, but these are the only things I've seen her in is like she had like four lines in Unbreakable and even that her job was like hardcore exposition about Mr. Glass's disease Uh, and then in this one they were like well I guess we'll just keep having her deliver exposition and that can just be a family trait that like everyone in the Price family just can't fucking shut up about (laughs) like things that are happening (laughs) around them like in very obvious (laughs) terms Oh. oh my God! God, I <laughs> forgot about how mad she made me
0: until. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even remember what I derailed. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> God. those were those were great puzzle pieces, Chad. And you know, I'm I'm sorry to say I haven't seen any of those three movies. and no, I, I always wanted to. to see Special. I, I always thought Special looked great. Oh uh, yeah, but I've never it, seen any it, of those. It is. It is. So I, I definitely recommend. I, I, I of, definitely
3: yeah. recommend uh, Griff the Invisible. And special. Uh, is *The Invisible* is I is I really, really yeah. like, like
2: a comedy or? Yeah,
3: it's actually a romantic uh, comedy. It's like uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're both comedies, though. So. Really interesting.
2: Yeah, oh, that sounds <laughs> that sounds really good. The uh, I mentioned this. The only like indie superhero movie I know. Uh, which is by a director that I keep uh, trying to force Dave to have on the show one of these days. It's straight up just, well, what if one of the villains in a superhero movie just decided to put like, all the characters in saw traps, basically, and took their powers away? And it's just like an hour and a half of superheroes freaking out. They're like, I'm used to being able to fly, and now I'm in a goddamn like, the reverse bear trap on my face type of thing. And that's like fun to watch for that deconstruction, but it's not a good movie. So I'd love eh. to watch like, that's some... not a type. Of... That's not a type of thing. No, no. <laughs> so, like, I want to watch. This is the guy who does the movie about the deadly Dance Dance Revolution battles that I keep trying to yeah, get you to get yeah. on the show. Uh, we, we will watch
0: it one of these days. Oh, we will. We, we will we'll get to when it. his new movie comes out.
2: We'll uh, we'll get him on this podcast for sure. Nice. <laughs> um, so, Ryan, what's your next puzzle piece? Um. So. Uh, so, I I was debating, I was trying to think of a good example of the ones you guys were talking about, um, and, and my example for that was actually the Kevin Spacey movie, K-Pax, where he mm. is, like, uh, an alien slash angel with superpowers, and everyone, like, just thinks he's crazy and is sort of trying to convince him that he's crazy, um, but I think we, we've we said everything we need to say about that that genre and that, that trope at that point. Um Plus, we're so not supposed to
3: speak I... about Kevin Spacey anymore, right? That was the and other that... reason that I like. <laughs> that was the
2: other yeah, why, reason. There was we... like a, a question mark next to
1: it. <laughs>
0: Why don't why don't we just why don't we move on from that and move on? My next two puzzle like <laughs> exactly. puzzle piece combo was going to be more of that, and we this way we don't have to use just Kevin Spacey. Yes. Uh, we could we could use Shutter Island and Take Shelter, mm. which Take Shelter is another Jeff Nichols movie. Um, but more movies where where we don't know whether or not the people are crazy. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We have been we have been talking about that throughout yep. some of the other puzzle pieces, um, and of course, K Pax as well.
1: What sh- I actually. Sh- <laughs>
3: I've never seen it. I, I doubt I will see it. Uh, I probably won't seek out that movie. Uh, Shutter Island, though. 10. Shutter Shutter Island is a good one, though, because of location as well. Um, yes, that was yeah. one, that was one of the disappointing things on I felt about this one is that we didn't get the full like like it was weird like I it was like they were in this big building, but we really didn't get to see like what was happening or if this was an actual like institution or if it was totally empty or or what but um i uh i i I was thinking of movies along the line that would that had those like really cool locations like that um i didn't even think of shutter island but uh shutter island to me is a great film it's one that's uh uh, it's a lot better than uh i think a lot of people give it credit for um and um yeah i mean uh the the, the whole aspect too of uh, are they crazy or are they not um it is a good tie in to this one
0: its it's funny you say that about uh not getting to see more of the um more of like the asylum and mm-hmm. and of that setting. Uh, th- this was going to be another one of my puzzle pieces at one point, but I, I kind of decided not to use it. But I'm just going to mention it anyway. Uh, a cure for wellness. Yes. Um, okay. But but again, they they never really get there, and that's why I was going to pull it off my list right. did, did we uh, because do an they never really end up that? showing uh, on that movie. No. Yeah. We, we okay. Didn't. It was just uh, you and me
2: shit talking a bunch on like Facebook. Yeah. Chat. I think we just talked okay. about it a bunch. Yeah, Because like, I know pre-podcast. I know we shat on that movie a lot, but I couldn't <laughs> well, remember yes, if did. it was recorded and, yeah.
3: or not. Well and, and and that's a that's a good one because I definitely think that uh a puzzle piece for that movie is uh Shutter Island. So oh, 100% I mean, it's, sure. It's, Absolutely. It's basically Absolutely. uh you know you know kind of like
0: Shutter Island part 2 in a way. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole bunch of that mixed into this movie but they just never really go there cuz they're too busy talking about comic books and and they can't ever take time to really look at how creepy that institution may have actually been. Right. Uh, there's obviously a whole bunch of other people in there, a whole bunch of other crazy people who may be more superheroes and we never get to see any of them. Right. It's actually uh, a stay away from the windows.
2: How little <laughs> happens despite the fact that they spent two hours explaining the things that happened. Like, the characters yeah. over the course of the movie, once they hit the asylum, they collectively travel, like, 30 yards in the rest of the film. Like, like once Whoa. they hit the first act end, they don't move, and nobody does anything. It's just <laughs> entirely the characters collectively setting up a third act that doesn't happen. And I get that that's <laughs> the point, right? Like... like and, and like a, this, this is one thing where I do take the defender sides is like the um, you, you know, Samuel L. Jackson gets the microphone and he does that like really dumb speech which I actually loved where he's like you know I'm gonna let the horde out you know what are you gonna and I'm gonna blow up this building what are you gonna do about it and it's like and like at that point I think most people were rolling their eyes and being like oh my god he's literally saying what the ending of the movie is gonna be and then you realize that's all just again part of Samuel L. Jackson's like thing of of course he's making this big deal about a very stereotypical villain plan it's because he's not going to do it but he knows that the the evil people will assume that he's going to do it and that was like mm-hmm. you know that trope kind of worked just specifically in that I get what he was getting at for it but like if you're not going to do that you then have to have something actually happen at the end of the movie instead you can't just <laughs> replace something with nothing you have to replace something with something else
0: Oh my god. He's a mastermind. He yes. do whatever, whatever, I'm just not whatever smart enough plans. to understand it clearly. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right.
3: Well well why <laughs> why while we're 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 bringing that point up, yeah. this would be a good time for me to say this, that I I realized in this watching this movie that M. Knight cannot direct action scenes. He totally cannot because oh, yes. there are moments that should have been really cool that he totally just like I'm like what the hell. Now there are moments yeah. that he 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 did it in a very cool way. He did it like in a a almost like Reservoir Dogs Tarantino off camera sort of way. Um yes. that kind of in that that, that like Guy, Guy Ritchie likes to do it, but he does it in a in a in a comical way where like the scene where Samuel Jackson's just You know, wills along, and the uh, the beast is in the background kicking everybody's ass. I like that scene, but I don't think it was executed as well as it should have been. Um, No, but but uh, uh, but and that was like one of the better, I feel like, actual like action scenes. Um, He totally cannot direct an action scene. And that was one of the... I think the, that's, the su- that's such a good point. That's such them. a good
0: point. I, I think, interestingly, I, I feel like he does better when he can keep the camera still mm-hmm. and like where it's just one thing happening. Right. But as soon as the characters move a few inches to the left or to the right... He loses it, and he doesn't do anything, like, anymore. Like, he doesn't move with the action in any way. That's actually a thing Um, that has come
2: up in multiple reviews of, like, how... Really? I I always hate the stereotypical uh, M. Night Shyamalan close-up thing. Um, Uh Uh-huh. But I I saw multiple reviews that were like, This is the first time where some like in a movie, an M night movie, where something starts to happen and then it will cut to a close up on someone else's face and you just have no idea what's actually happening off screen. (laughs) Or like a fight will start and then the camera will stay with something that is not the fight. And like, yeah, there's something to be said for not showing the violence on camera, but like sometimes you just literally then don't know, well, what is everyone else doing in the scene? And like multiple other people. Um, have called that out. So you're definitely not crazy in that regard.
3: Well, the one that That really bothered me was when it would be like uh, he he would do this with Bruce Willis. Uh, He did it a couple times where it's like he put like the camera on Bruce Willis where it's just like a close-up of his face and it like the camera just stays there as he's like fighting or like when they the jumping out oh, the window oh like when the
2: horde is on his back and stuff Yeah, like it's just and then, like I hate yeah, that. I hate yeah. that camera angle. Um so who, who bad. The fuck does it all the time? Ta- Neil Blomkamp does that camera angle all the time. Uh, where they put the harness on you right, so they right, get face like right. so. I like anytime like they use that camera angle anytime a character like has a drug trip in a movie or something. Right. I've, exactly. I've never liked it in any film ever and that continued
0: in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that's a really good point, Chad. Um, so are we up to Chad for the next puzzle piece, or are we on Brian? I, yeah, yeah. No, I think we're at Chad. Uh, yeah, sorry, I keep losing track. Uh, <laughs> you did the too
2: many Honestly, most of mine are like it's kind of like the K Pax thing now, where it's like short references. So just if you it's guys are, just have all couple, Kevin Spacey references. From that. <laughs> it's, it's, this is honestly no, no. just me introducing he, a soap opera. Kevin Spacey,
3: he's ahead. got some Woody Allen to bring up too. Uh, nice. Oh yeah, right. don't,
2: just like let me just start off with one word, Polanski, and let's go from there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so all right, so moving
1: on to Chad <laughs> next. Piece.
3: So uh the one I, I I thought of uh of course it was totally the the whole secret society thing um the uh Matt Damon movie uh, adjustment bureau uh which yes. was kind of a cool movie kind of a not cool movie uh it was one that I I, I wish I liked more than I did uh with him and Emily Blunt and um I, I don't even remember what the, the, bunch the scope of, of the film was but it was like they were being chased by this like uh you know secret society and it just i, I don't know the the whole end of this film to me had that sort of vibe of that movie yeah. um and uh there it was that it was kind of cool in a way kind of I don't know um it's <laughs>
0: it, it, it's funny that you're it, it's funny that you're kind of uh almost it sounds like you're not 100 percent certain of that puzzle piece it, it, because i was almost going to bring up hot fuzz because of the secret society <laughs> but i was like I, I don't know about hot fuzz is really a, a puzzle piece for this movie but again i was just searching for a secret society movie right you know right what I mean? right, with like a creepy shadowy secret society right <laughs> i think for those ones uh,
2: there, there's a lot of better options if you look at like the supernatural genre because um, like, mm. there's lots of movies where like vampires are like basically just superheroes and stuff like that, and they do that shit all the time in like supernatural movies. Of like, we've been making sure nobody's noticed that werewolves are real for a thousand years or and stuff like that, or even like Men in Black like movies. Like they I feel just like haven't
0: tiptoeing around Twilight right now. <laughs> oh
2: no, no, God no. Uh,
0: was, were there secret
2: societies in Twilight? I, I I think think there was. Shockingly, I haven't... (laughs) No, actually, I have seen the first one. (laughs) Um, I even forgot about that. Well, I think the the, Uh, the Dude Society was interesting, because it was kind of... uh, Am I next anyway? Right? Yeah, you're next anyway. Okay, so I just sort of thought of this, and I'll... I'll, Okay, so here we go. I finally got to think of one on the spot to talk about, um, which is The Dark Knight Rises... Specifically for the fact, and and uh, I'm ashamed to admit this, but Dark Knight Rises is actually probably my favorite of the three Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Which I'm aware I'm the only mm-hmm. person in the universe who has that opinion. I, I'm but with you there. Speci- I'm with you
3: there.
2: I'm sorry. Was oh that Chad or David? Both on my podcast quickly? right now. Oh, <laughs> thank God. Um, so, but specifically for the reason of Dark Knight Rises is largely just a beat for beat remake of. Um, of uh, unbreak, uh, sorry, of uh, Batman begins, but it turns everything up to eleven and says like, "Well, what if the twist was that the twist was happening to the twist?" That sentence will make sense in a minute, I promise. Which mm. is. Glass kind of did the same thing, where it took all the same things that happened in Unbreakable, even though I do think it was more of a split sequel than an Unbreakable sequel, every time it tied Unbreakable into something, it would do the exact same thing it did from Unbreakable, but take it to the next level, like... Hmm. In Unbreakable, you discover that Samuel L. Jackson has secretly been manipulating things the entire time. And you discover that by he deliberately takes his glove off and he shakes Bruce Willis's hand and he goes like, hey, I need to fill you in on the bigger picture here, you know. Just so you know, I'm actually the bad guy. And then they do the exact same goddamn thing at the end of this one. Right. Except a million times worse. Where like they try I get what they're trying to go for of like she takes her glove off and she's like, You need to know. And for Samuel L. Jackson, when he did it, it was kind of gloating, and when she did it, it was kind of an apology, but it was the same action, and then it fills you in on again, like at this point. David Dunn knows, oh, he's, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the mastermind behind all this. And then she puts her hand out and it's like, ha ha, there was a group of secret masterminds who were behind... Like, working against the other mastermind, or so on and so forth. And it very much kind of did remind me of, like, the League of Shadows, Dark Knight Rises kind of thing. Of, oh, we're fighting that same kind of group of bad guys that, like, Ra's al Ghul was in Batman Begins. Except now there's a whole secret society that's, like, kind of working against people from time to time. And we're just going to take it all to 11 and steal the exact same things we did in Batman Begins, but do them worse. And Glass did a lot of things that Unbreakable did. (laughs) But worse, and turned up to I think eleven. That, I think that's a really,
0: that's a really great observation because you're right. It, it they, they were like almost remakes of the the first one of their trilogy, and just making it crazier. Oh, like, it's very it much like if
2: you if you watch Star Wars: Return of the Sith. That's the third one, right? That's the that's that's the one that ends with Anakin Revenge. and Obi Wan fighting each other. Okay, cool. So there's, like, a lot of stuff in that movie that is actually much more clever than it seems and is all, like, throwbacks to the first one. Um, Where, like, in, in a vacuum, those are, like, very cool throwbacks. And I feel like it's the same kind of way. Of, like, the idea of, again, a villain removes their glove and deliberately says, like, David Dunn, use your superpower so you can know that you were right all along. Like, thematically, that's very powerful. But the end result is... Bruce Willis fucking chugging a street puddle while a girl goes, Did I convince you? Oh my god, that was so bad. She was like, Did I almost trick you? Did I almost have you believe? It's like, bitch, he's dying. Like, what is it with people in this parking lot like not like like they're all just talking about stupid things to people who are dying? Like, like her last words are like, haha, did I fool you? It's like almost like M-night had to be like, Hey audience, did I get you? Huh? You know, huh? I, I,
0: I never I never thought about this until just this moment, but they're all in the same parking lot, and none of them are interacting with one another. Oh, no, it's, just it's like... like <laughs> they're, they're, two characters are doing this over here, two characters mm-hmm. are doing this over there, mm-hmm. two characters are doing this, and none of them are attacking each oh, other. Oh, it's <laughs> just like
2: the ending of Spider-Man 3, where, like, there's, like, four people dying, and Spider-Man, like, pops over to one person for a minute and, like, spends way too long talking to, like, the Sandman, and then he's like, oh, shit, wait, my best friend was dying one floor down. Let me go talk to him real quick. And then he talks to him for a while, and then he was like, oh, shit, that guy who was like me in a black suit is also dying. Well, fuck him. And then he moves on and doesn't talk to them. But, yeah, like, it was, I think that was sort of supposed to be a metaphor in some way. Um, the whole, like, they're all right next to each other, but they don't interact at all. But, again, it just didn't stick
3: the landing.
2: None of this would be stuck the land. Tank
3: well and, and here's the oh. funny thing because you, you both had said that y'all felt this was more of split two than it was like unbreakable two but me yeah. i felt like it was too much unbreakable that was one of my complaints and and that's exactly what you're talking about you know of how this is kind of like a remake of unbreakable in many ways or at least it is and the fact that um you know, like I said before about how Unbreakable is a first act movie, yes. and you're getting to, like, okay, now the movie's starting w- once the movie's actually ending, and that's kind of like yes. what this one did as well. Uh, so, for me, it, this one was too too much Unbreakable, or too much trying to, I guess, recapture what he did with Unbreakable, as opposed to, like I said, with with, with Split, it was like, you know, Weird, creepy world, and you're not, and it doesn't didn't have to fit anywhere, and then it yes. fits it in at the end, and so I think maybe this one that maybe that's the big problem is that there's almost like a, a you know, an identity crisis with the film itself. Yeah. Of um, no, I, I think absolutely. you're
2: totally right. I, I think thematically and tonally, it's much more unbreakable than Split. I think the reason I still walked away thinking it was more of a Split sequel was. It still felt to me, and I don't think this this necessarily worked, was I think what he was trying to go for was Unbreakable tells the story of Bruce Willis, Split tells the story of James McAvoy, and Glass tells the story of Samuel L. Jackson. But I still feel like the story that we watched was still very much the story of James McAvoy's character. Yeah. yeah, like That's exactly
0: what I was going to say. Is I've kind like, of come a lo- come around to what you're saying, Chad. But I, I I still feel like this movie is a majority McAvoy. Right. And that, that's why I felt like it was more of a split sequel. Um, but you, yeah, you're it's right. It's more In of a Kevin saying, Wendell though. Crumb sequel than it is a split sequel, I think would be a pretty good way to put <laughs> right. it. Like... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <sighs> but uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. It, it, a, after, after I initially said that it's just straight up a split sequel, I, I did start to think about the fact that, yeah, I mean, there really is a lot of unbreakable... In in the story in the in the themes, um, it's just on screen. I mean, we barely get any glass until like the last thirty minutes. And David Dunn really, he could practically not even be in the movie. No, he's practically he, he's like it.
2: the Thanos for this movie almost. Of like, right? Like, we're not like like he just happens to be there. Like, and it's like I'm just gonna come in and fuck things up occasionally. And also, we're gonna talk about him a lot. Like.
3: Well, here's the funny part, though. I I feel like this was actually Bruce Willis at his best. Like, I can't remember. I mean, maybe Unbreakable. But uh, seriously, as far as... Because he was so low-key. And I think that he could have been, you know... Uh, really amped up and I mean uh, pretty much that's what we get in most Bruce Willis movies these days is uh, you know amped up Bruce Willis so I I appreciated all the performances actually Um, I I, I do uh, think that um, even though like you're saying I get what you're saying that it it wasn't really David Dunn's movie he was just kind of there but uh, I I really really did like the parts that uh, his character was in?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. I wanted to see like like I, I think I was ne- never a huge fan of like subdu- subdued Bruce Willis anyway, which is fine. I think it's just that feeds into like what I don't like about the type of performance that M Night coaches out of his actors. Uh, but he's definitely nailing what he's trying to do. I think I. And and I feel like this is going to be a lot like when people with Last Jedi is like, oh, well, Luke should have been like a crazy awesome hero. I wanted to see like a broken David Dunn. Like I wanted to see him like battered and defeated and like questioning himself the same way that like... Samuel L. Jackson had been questioning himself and questioning Bruce Willis the entire time. And instead, we just kind of, and, and I think this was still, you know, deliberately what, what uh, M. Night Shyamalan was doing. Like, David Dunn was basically just a guy who's trying to do a job. Like, he just shrugs, he's like, you got a crazy guy there, I, I gotta stop him. It's that simple. Like, he doesn't need a lot of um, amped-upness, like what you were saying. Right, but right. I really just wanted to see, like, a devastated... Bruce Willis, like who, had, and then I guess I don't know. I guess in, in my ideal version, then he would have like overcome that to stop Glass or something. I don't know. Um, you want you wanted the Dark Knight Rises too? I I wanted him. To remake Avatar: The Last Airbender, and it was just good.
3: Uh, And he calls. I I like that movie. I like that movie. You know, no. So I actually I saw
2: that movie at a midnight screening. I had never seen the cartoon, but like all my friends were super into it, and I I must have been like a freshman in high school. Um, and that was like the first time I got to see how tangible a nerd's response can be to something (laughs) they don't like. Like since then, I've seen people like. Cry at like video games Being bad but I'd never seen any of that then And I just like there were people like Sobbing at the midnight screen (laughs) And I was like I didn't (laughs) think it was great But I didn't like like, I thought it was like A pretty straightforward bad movie But apparently like if you like the source material It just like stabs it Repeatedly in the heart So I have a very (laughs) weird relationship with that film But I do know that that's like the one that If you had to apologize for I imagine that's What people would force them to apologize for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so in moving forward,
3: uh, another serious question, are we gonna call this M Night Rises? Is that gonna be a good name for a glass? <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's good. Well, because like because Dave
2: you, Dave did not like
3: the visit, which
2: I really oh, so I, like. Oh, I I
3: love the visit. It's it's good. So yeah. like
2: I've I've been on the like oh man Stella's getting her groove back train with M Night Shyamalan for about like two movies now. Uh, whereas with Dave, I think this is kind of just like. In your mind, you could have written off uh, Split as like a like a blip in the radar, of like oh he happened to make something good
0: accidentally,
2: um, right,
0: right. Acc- ac- ac- whereas like
2: for me, there's been like a bit of an upward trajectory, and it sounds like Chad too as well. So no, 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 uh, so no, no, is... no, no, no,
3: no, 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 no. Oh, I, sorry, you like, you like I think he only made one bad Split? movie, Lady in the Water. That was his blip. It was a bad blip. Otherwise, I, I've liked all the movies.
2: Did you like you liked After Earth? The oh film? yeah,
3: After Earth is good. too. Oh, we'll talk.
2: Okay, interesting.
0: I never did see after. Earth. I I, I want to see it. I feel like I might like it in like sorry to say Chad, but in like a so bad it's good way. Sure. Um but but I mean I don't know that I would like it in a good way, but maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe i actually would like it like you do. I have I heard
2: that The Happening is a lot better if you watch it as an homage to like B movies and like 70s grindhouse disaster type films. Uh so I actually really do want to rewatch The Happening specifically through that lens to see if it affects um the happening no, has radio. some great scenes.
0: Oh, yeah, yes. Yes. it's got it's overall awesome not good movie. Yeah, it's yeah, got some awesome. really great scenes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I I'm I'm usually because because I already know there's so much I don't like about m Night, I think I give him a lot more credit because I just chalk things up as like, oh, I I I don't know. Like people turned on him around the village, I guess, and I was like, you know, mm-hmm. the things I don't like about the village are also the same things I didn't like about Sixth Sense. So like who am I to say?
0: I like The Village. I, I think it was from Lady in the Water on that I stopped liking them. But uh, I, I'm going to go with my my last puzzle piece okay. here. Um, oh, puzzle pieces. I, I that's kinda,
1: right.
0: Yeah, I know. What, what are those, right? <laughs> um, I, I kind of folded some. I had one or two others, but I folded them into some of the others. So uh, my last puzzle piece, I was almost going to go with Avengers Infinity War, but I, I didn't want to do a comic book movie, so I switched it up. Um, and I instead went with Fight Club. For mm. a movie where the bad guy has has an idea that there is some merit to, uh, but he's just going about it in just a, a wrong way filled with violence and chaos and destruction. Um, so and, real, real uh, quick, uh,
2: Dave, in, in your mind, is Tyler Durden Samuel L. Jackson or is Tyler Durden Sarah Paulson?
0: Samuel Jackson. Okay, cool. in my, in, just just sure w- in my looking at it. Sure. Yeah, because actually, I, you're right. I, it could go, could have gone either way, but yeah, absolutely. I was looking at it from the Samuel Jackson point of view yeah. of trying to expose uh, expose everybody's. Uh, potential superpowers yeah. and, and making people believe in themselves and uh, but you know he, he's still a criminal mastermind and doing yeah. evil things and uh, you know that could be said about Unbreakable as well but uh, you know certainly for Glass too
2: That's like a very common trope in the comics the like I'm doing a bad thing specifically to awaken more heroes kind of thing but you don't actually see mm-hmm. it in films very often um and right, I'm, right. I'm sort of still waiting for like the first marvel film that uses that as a plot line i guess like there was a little bit of in uh, amazing spider-man one where like the lizard was like i'm going to turn everyone else into lizard people and then we'll all be super and can regenerate but like for the most part they haven't really done the, like, I'm just trying to help everyone reach the next step or whatever thing.
0: Well, Be- I think that was like... Thanos' whole thing, right? I mean, he thought he was trying to help the
1: universe. Oh, specifically,
2: right? I'm talking about, like, awakening things and people. Like, the... oh, oh, wait a minute. No, that's things. entirely the plot yeah. of the first Bryan Singer X-Men movie, another person we shouldn't talk about. Uh, is <laughs> yeah, Magnus, Magnus. I, I
3: I very much to the X-Men films, and I wasn't going to bring it up. So <laughs> yeah,
2: no, that's like entirely the whole point of the first one is he's got a machine that's going to turn everyone else into superheroes. Right. So yeah. never mind. Like the reason no one's done it again is because like X-Men had been like the first decent superhero movie in a while, so no one like wanted to touch the plot after that. <laughs> so
0: Chad, what's your next puzzle piece?
3: Well, um, I. <sighs> I, I I kind of uh, we we touched on the location, and so um, this one came to me. And then actually, I was doing some reading, and I saw that M Knight was uh, he cited this one as an influence. But I think he uh, sees it as a bigger influence than I saw it as. Um, and that's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and if you uh. read if you read uh, what he says about it, I mean, he basically says how, like, this movie thematically is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I I didn't catch that, but I was just thinking in in terms of location, like we were uh, talking about earlier. Um, and it, it and it's not really explored that much. Uh, the other one that I, I had thought of too in regards to location though was uh, Session Nine, which was a uh, a great yes. uh you know indie horror movie. Uh, if if you if you hadn't seen session nine, definitely you see that one. But uh, it yeah. also has to do with you know mental illness and how uh I I think the location of uh, asylum, how that can affect you personally. And I think that kind of gets into how you know uh, David Dunn, you know, he's being told to question himself and he's locked up, and it's just like I think it, that kind of goes into that whole thing though of if you. You know lock somebody in a room and you tell them something they're gonna kind of start to believe whatever it is you're telling them um yeah, and so right. um uh you know i again location and then also just the whole you know uh uh you know mental side of that uh but yeah, oh, yeah. one floor of the cuckoo's nest um. I more so felt that uh, I, I, it's just one that pops up into my head anytime there's a asylum in any way. Like I, even Halloween, <laughs> I thought of it. But then I read that and I was like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> so I, evidently, it's yeah, one it's of funny. M Night's I, favorite movies. I read movies. that
0: too. I read that too, and then I started trying to think of it. And granted, I haven't seen "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest" in in decades, but I really couldn't connect it. Right, right, exactly.
3: Uh, outside yeah. of location, <laughs> yeah. That that's incredible. why I was like, I, I was like, not gonna be like, oh. So anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. I, I I like both of those as uh, examples because of that setting and everything. Um, does anybody else have any other puzzle pieces? I'm out.
2: Yeah, I got, I got. I'll just kind of rapid fire a few of the other things I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, okay. So uh, Chronicle, uh, in terms of other like. Indie-ish superhero movies. Um, I, mm. I I kind of don't like when films cut to security camera footage for no reason, uh, especially. <laughs> so, like for a movie like like Chronicle, I thought that was fine, and at first I was like really questioning it. With the uh, with unbreakable, how it would cut to the security. Ca- sorry, with glass, how it would cut to the security cameras for the fights, and then it sort of tied into the to the whole. Oh well, it's it's showing you the shots that the 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 general public will see later um, right. when he emails it around, um, and you know, Chronicle was. Very much, just as much as it was a superhero movie, it was a commentary on like people having devices all the time and how nothing is secret anymore. The same way, drum roll, that Cloverfield is kind of a um, a commentary on the same thing, but set against um, a kaiju film instead of set against a superhero film. Um, okay. So you know, uh, there's there's the one one of the best scenes in Chronicle where he like gets all these people are looking at him, and he's he's at, like, the tower or something. I forget what city that takes place in. Um, and he, like, pulls up every person's camera and cell phone and, like, puts them in an orbit around him or something like that. And he had just gone on his whole, like, apex predator rant, and that is a villain who is all about, like... Who started kind of as the good guy and gets these powers and is like sort of a victim of circumstance, sort of a mastermind, sort of a relatable anti-hero, like all these different things. And then he's just like, I'm going to fucking show the world everything. Um, So I got very strong vibes about that, especially for the last third um, Mm -hmm. of Glass. Um, I kind of wanted to name drop, uh, and I think this ties into when Chad was saying how it felt more like an unbreakable... Uh, sequel uh my my go-to example for tonally different sequels which is alien to aliens had to had to cite that just for the going from split which was you know like a psychological thrill thriller horror movie to a movie about people talking in a room while wearing straitjackets totally different theming <laughs> and genre um and then finally I, I know leading up to this, uh, one final plug for our podcast discussion group is we had a good chat about um, about sequels that come out, like, 15 years later. And, like, uh, repeatedly we talked about, like, how it pulls the characters together again and stuff like that. And, um... Unbreakable to me did Glass to me did not feel like a sequel like like a good one of those sequels that pulls the characters together. It much more to me felt like um this is more a thing in England, but after a sitcom is canceled, a couple years later, they'll do like a Christmas special episode Where through, like, oh, like, just what are these characters up to nowadays? And I sort of felt like the first half of this movie was just like we were seeing that. Like, for every person we've ever seen in this trilogy, it's just like, oh, so what are they up to nowadays? Like, and then, like, slowly people would kind of get pulled into the, um into the main action but like in a very unorganic type of way like for some reason she just decided to keep like visiting her kidnapper in prison like every 20 minutes and also hug him and stuff which like if that didn't give away that that woman does not have a medical license I don't know what would like um but so I don't know like the entire time I just felt like I was watching Uh, oh, the whole cast got together back for, like, let's see where these characters are Like, it didn't feel like it was finishing the story. It felt like it was the characters were getting back together again, and they happened to finish the story while they were doing it. And I think, to me, that's a big crux of what I didn't like about it, um, was it didn't feel like it set out to finish the story. I also can't imagine that anyone would have enjoyed this movie if they haven't seen the first two like i don't i don't think this movie actually had a story or a plot like of <laughs> that's, its own that's a good point. like yeah. like and i think i think i'm biased but like again like to me it felt like i was seeing just a bunch of like end caps on these two characters relationships these two characters relationships these two characters relationships and i wasn't seeing a film that weaved these characters together and i think again that ties into the the everyone dying in the parking lot 10 feet from each other like <laughs> right like we're seeing the story of sarah paulson in the secret society we're seeing the fight of david dunn and and like like almost at no point do three parties ever interact like, even during the Samuel L. Jackson sort of interrupts the fight when the kid reveals that Samuel L. Jackson is the big bad guy that caused the accident. Um, like, even that, it kept switching between pair-offs. Like, Kevin yeah. turned around and faced Samuel L. Jackson. And then they had an argument. And at one point, literally, fucking Bruce Willis like puts his hand on his shoulder and is like, hey man, we were like in the middle of a fight. And the horde goes, oh yeah, good point. Sucker punches Samuel L. Jackson in the chest and then turns around and goes back to his main fight. Like there's no it doesn't weave anything together. It's like four braids that are hanging next to each other. Um, And that's the vibe I get from those sitcoms where like a lot of times they won't even necessarily have those characters interact. They will just show oh and also these two actors and usually the reason is because they can't get all the actors free at the same time or something but instead it was just apparently M. Knight was like Not positive that if three people were on screen at once that the universe wouldn't just fucking implode or something so
0: um, he doesn't know how to fit him in a frame unfortunately.
2: yes yes it's uh there's like all, all all of them were big enough stars that their contracts speculated like they're like i will be on camera with mcavoy at the same time but i will not be on camera with mcavoy and jackson at the same time unless they're all in handcuffs like the i think like honestly the one scene where they're being interrogated May literally be the, and even then, it's very much they take turns talking to Sarah Paulson. Well, There's not only that, them Samuel Jackson,
3: his character like isn't even there. He's oh yeah, he was, like, he
2: was, he was comatose by that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, So all right, so I guess that is a little unfair. That yeah, for half the movie, Samuel L. Jackson couldn't have interacted with anyone else. But even that, it just, it always felt like it was here's these two, here's these two, and they just, like, it all, uh, you know what, uh, I do think Avengers Infinity War would have actually been a good example for that reason, of here's Thanos dealing with these guys. Now Thanos deals with these guys. Now Thanos deal right? Like, there was, besides the final fight in Infinity War, like, there was very little of, like, the Avengers doing anything, unless it was two people meeting for the first time, and having, like, a shitty one-liner off against each other. Um, right, right. So fuck it. I am putting Infinity War as my puzzle piece since you have yeah. been done talking it, myself into list. it over the course of talking about
0: shitty Christmas specials. <laughs> Chad, well, how how many dozen more puzzle pieces do you have for us? Well, I I, I was just I was
3: gonna just throw out because uh, just how you were talking about how the movies kind of like patched together and how it's not its own story. Um, yeah. Really, in, in a way that's kind of, and, and this is perfect because it's Sarah Paulson. It kind of feels like American Horror Story. How right? um, American Horror Story? I was, think, I was thinking that too. It <laughs> ties together, I you know. Everyone. Uh, everything to everything, and so yeah. I mean, really, um, it, it has a total American Horror Story vibe. Uh, you know, specifically since she's there and she's like the, you know, the the. The main she, she driving force, and this one that brings them together. Um, so,
0: um, plus all the big reveals are super on the nose, <laughs> right? just like uh, just right, like right.
3: <laughs> um, well, uh, as far as an, uh, that was just one that came to mind, but uh, I actually had Man on Fire as a puzzle piece. Um, okay. a, a couple of reasons, I guess. Maybe uh, you know uh, you've. In that one, you've got Denzel, you know, basically playing a superhero. I mean, he's a total badass. I think he's even, like, a bigger badass than he is in uh, Equalizer. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it also, you know, ends on such a downer of a note where it's like, even you don't want, I don't know, in, in, in many ways it's like he, 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 he did the right thing, but he did horrible things, and he's kind of not really a good guy. But at the same time, it's such a downer that you know uh, the ending of that film, and it's 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 kind of to me that that movie. Uh, I it's an it's it's got big big flaws. Uh, Man on fire, <laughs> but I still there's something about it that pulls me back to that movie, and I I like that movie even though there are things I hate about that movie. Um, but. Uh, mm. This one very much, again, uh, I think the way that this one tried to be uh, like a realistic kind of uh, superhero movie, I've always kind of seen Man on Fire as like a a sort of a superhero movie, um, and then also the fact that they, they both had that downer ending, um, so... Um, the other one i was thinking of uh was actually the butterfly effect and the reason yes. there is because you know that one is um it's one where like it creates this world where it's like totally shouldn't be believable at all and it's a sci-fi movie but it's not at all done like a science fiction movie but it is yeah. 100% um and you totally just buy into it. Now, that's the thing is that I, what I liked about these three characters is that we actually do, or at least I did, buy into the characters and buy in what they're able to do and don't even yeah. really think of it as a superhero movie, even though it's telling you every five minutes that it's, you know, has to do with comic books. Um, yeah. and And so I think if it had dropped all of that, comic book talk and been more sh- just straightforward and in in, in in giving us the story um it could have been you know more like butterfly effect which is a movie that i really really love and again it's so it doesn't good. have to tell you oh my god this is a science fiction movie and it's about time travel and i mean it's just it doesn't have to hit you over the head with those those yeah. really silly things so um I don't know. Both of those uh, just came came to mind to me. I, I think they're both uh, superior to this movie, but <laughs> at the same yeah. time, I definitely see some uh, similarities there.
2: I think you just kind of you you made me realize something else about that was sort of bothering me was Unbreakable. <laughs> regardless of if it was a comic book movie or a superhero, a, a superhero movie, it was a movie about comic books, which a lot of you know comic book movies, quote unquote. Uh, are not actually about the medium of comic books, right? They're about Mm -hmm. stories that are told in comic books. And Unbreakable was largely a story about comic books about people, right? Like, the characters were all people. They weren't heroes at that point. So it was... Whereas Glass is a movie about comic books starring superheroes as well. And some of it gets lost when you're trying... To like do the analysis of the material and suddenly all the characters are no longer outsiders looking in. Now all the like characters are sort of part of the world that it's deconstructing and it like lets you get a different take on it but I think that different take also contributed to why it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and I sort of think it'd be the same thing with, like, there are other butterfly effect movies where, like, the people, like, know how their powers work and, like, game the system a little more. And as soon as you've, like, got these people who are, like, actively aware of the system they're in, Mm -hmm. um, it it starts to lose, uh, some Mm. of that oomph, um, unless it's, like, specifically taking, like, the meta deconstructionist route, which really only works for, like, once, otherwise you get Scream 3, so...
0: <laughs> I gotta say, uh, I was not expecting a big uh, butterfly effect conversation on this episode, but... I think it works. Oh, man,
2: no. Uh, I was going to say, you want to talk about downer endings. Let's talk about the original ending for Butterfly Effect. Uh, he goes back right. in time and miscarries himself. Right. That's that's a, a mind fuck of an ending if you ever want to see. I know people who that's the only ending they've ever seen for it. And, like, that's cool because like that's a pretty good ending. But I can't imagine how like bummed i would have been if that was the only way i knew about that movie ending (laughs) Like if i only knew oh the movie ends with the dude going back in time and strangling himself with his own umbilical cord i'd be like that's that's a fucking movie right there (laughs) (laughs) oh man is this are we gonna do our piecing it together spinoff where chad and i just talk about butterfly effect every week (laughs) because that sounds amazing that's it's a great idea. <laughs> Everything's a butterfly well, effect. Well,
3: here here's the funny thing though. Speaking of butterfly effect again and uh you know the that was uh, the only way I saw that ending. I haven't seen it uh like cut the movie cut that way. I just seen that mm. as a special feature as an extra yes, scene. Same. Um well, and that's the thing with this movie Glass, he recycled cut scenes from Unbreakable. And um, yeah. I was kind of, I kind of like that, but I kind of didn't because the scene with glass as a, as a young boy and he rides the tilt world. Yeah. Was he, that
2: in the original?
3: No, that was a cut scene. Oh, Beautiful,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's
3: such a good heartbreaking scene, and it's so much longer than what we get in the film. So I I I like that he included it, but at the same time, because I always said, why wasn't that in the movie? Because it's so good. Oh, it's Um, so visceral. Oh my god. But the version in the film is like a letdown to like that original scene. Um, but 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 I think it's cool. But I was kind of disappointed.
2: Those scenes already have my heart racing. Like, I, I don't think I could have dealt with, like, six more minutes of him, <laughs> like, slowly the teddy bears, like, slipping, right? Like, I, I, I can barely make it to the end of Samuel L. Jackson limping down the stairs going, I just want to talk to you. And as I've said, that's, like, my
0: favorite scene in the movie. So I can't imagine just...
2: it happening to a child. <laughs>
0: six minutes. You guys are describing M. Night Shyamalan, the master filmmaker. That that's who shot that scene. Yes. You, you gotta remember that. Yes, yes. <laughs> they the, the 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 next Spielberg, as I think Time magazine called him, or, or yeah, back or in yeah, sure, okay. like, '99 um, or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs>
0: so uh before do you have any last ones before I do the finished puzzle? I think we're all done. Right? You think we're good? All right, because we, we got a big finish puzzle, and then we'll do any of our uh, closing notes here. So, finish okay. puzzle four, Glass. Okay, and I wrote down every movie we talked about, so it's a lot of <laughs> um, the La- The Last Jedi, Batman v. Superman, Scream 3, Kevin Smith movies including Mallrats Chasing Amy and Jay and Silent, Bo- Silent Bob Strike Back, Eastern Promises, Watchmen, Midnight Special, Special, Griff the Invisible, Super, K-Pax, Shutter <laughs> Island, Take Shelter, A Cure for Wellness, The Adjustment Bureau, Hot Fuzz, The Dark Knight Rises, Fight Club, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Session 9, Chronicle, Cloverfield, Aliens, Avengers Infinity War, American Horror Story, Man on Fire, and of course, The Butterfly Effect. <laughs> That's our finished puzzle for Glass. Uh, so he,
3: he, here, here's, here's my sense. question. Yeah. So is was this movie a Cloverfield
0: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Did did you not notice the fucking clovers on everyone's (laughs) (laughs) hands? There you go. I was going to bring it up. I have it written down here. Oh, I I was Those clovers, does that mean that this is, in fact, a Cloverfield?
2: Yeah, no, 100%. They're the secret society that has been hiding knowledge of the monster as well because, all right, now, now bear with me, they did talk about in one of the Cloverfield ARGs that there was this, like, magic seaweed in the bottom of the ocean that they were drilling up and they um sometimes it was implied that if you ate the seaweed you would turn into a monster So, one could argue that that is basically also a form of superheroism, if you turn into the Cloverfield monster as your power, and Tegrudo Core was trying to stop those people. So, it seems pretty logical to me that if they were already going to codename the monster Clover, uh, that that, you know, would be one of the superheroes they would take care of. And you know uh, we don't need to talk about Cloverfield paradox and how that fits into things because no, no uh, let's not let's not bring that yeah up at all. so and then and then nothing to do with Ten Cloverfield Lane of course but Ten Cloverfield Lane is already no. less a Cloverfield than most things are a Cloverfield uh, but yeah this movie is a hundred percent Cloverfield without a doubt in yeah, my this mind this is
0: definitely a Cloverfield hundred <laughs> no, percent I agree I agree hundred percent
2: it it is Cloverfield three now yeah. it is the new Cloverfield three. <laughs>
0: I would take it over the paradox. So hundred oh, percent. Um any other uh any other closing thoughts, you guys, about uh glass before we wrap this thing up.
3: I would I would say I actually like it. I mean I, I've talked bad about it, but I did like it. I don't like it as much as Unbreakable or Split. Um, but I did enjoy glass. Um I think it's just a a smaller, weaker Batman v Superman. That's not a bad thing though um sure. and um you know uh it, it's i think uh, complaints though that people have had about m night going back to i mean going back to the village and then also last airbender I think I saw a lot of those things that people always say. They say he does weird things as a director. I did find some odd directing choices in this movie. And um, I did find the, the dialogue very clunky. That's one of the other complaints. So I think this is the first time that I've, like, outside of Lady in the Water, that I've kind of noticed some of the complaints people always say, and they got to me. So, um, But yeah. I still enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I enjoyed it too. Um I you know, I there's so much I could pick apart, but when it comes down to it, I was certainly entertained the whole time. And uh there there are much worse ways that uh after waiting twenty years for Unbreakable that it could have uh you know ended up. It, it could've it could have been so much worse. And I, I think it it's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> That's basically my review of the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you sound you sound
3: like i i just see that that just to me sounds like your dad like at a restaurant he gets something that he didn't <laughs> order and uh you know it's a it's a chicken sandwich instead of a burger And he doesn't want to send it back, and he's like, this is just fine, this is
2: fine. At least it's a decent sound. I I think that that's arguably the biggest insult that Dave and I use on this podcast, is when we go, it was fine. Like, like I've probably said that, like, we said that a lot during our Bad Times at the El Royale episode. Like, so many times, we just went... Yeah, it was fine in regards to that and yeah. the other movies we reviewed. Um, so that has slowly actually picked up like way more of a negative connotation for me on this podcast <laughs> in, in, specifically.
0: Interestingly, I think I like Glass more than Bad Times at the El Royale. So uh, take that the rest of the critics out there who <laughs> hated Glass so much. Um, <laughs> you know, w- one other uh, thought that I had written down, um, I thought a much better ending would have been... When they were sitting there in the uh, train station or whatever it was, or an airport or whatever, and they were like, "How long has it been since we uploaded the video?" and nobody's noticed yet, and they're like, "It's been two hours," and if just nobody noticed the video, like, no one and cares. Just the, <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. Everybody just thinks it's you know just some fucking dumb video on YouTube, you know, and nobody cares. Um, I thought that would have been a I think kind of fun, viral marketing for the ending.
2: next Cloverfield.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 which is what it is, as we now know. Well, here, here, here's the thing, is
3: that everybody would just think it was fake anyway. It's not like yeah, anybody yeah. would actually exactly. think it was real. So, I mean...
0: yeah. I, I don't. I don't think M Night Shyamalan, uh, in, in a million years, would do that. But at the same time, I thought that, like, I was ready to laugh. I was ready to crack up as the screen went cut to black and said, "Directed by M Night Shyamalan." Like, but then of course everybody started seeing the video. You know like, what? Oh though? my God! You know? this,
2: this was very much a movie driven by apathy. Um, like in all regards, like, like Unbreakable, you know, and that was a core difference Unbreakable is still very much about rising to the challenge. And, um, and Glass is kind of a movie about ambivalence towards the challenge. Like, the whole movie is driven very much just by, like, things are happening. So I wouldn't have actually been that surprised if just no one cared. And that was, like, sort of the moral of the story, <laughs> is that, like, humans are... Because Sarah Paulson's whole thing is uh, humans are better than superheroes. We don't need superheroes. Because once you see that people can be super, you may become super yourself because you start questioning the status quo. Um, so it could have sure. been, like, very deep in its own way of, like, and nothing changed. Like so I wouldn't have been that surprised if they went with an ending like that I'd have liked it I was waiting for the, the post credit scene to show something else crazy I think that
0: was there one? I there actually not, had to pee was, and I ran right out. There was no, no. Okay. I
2: actually straight up wasn't gonna see Split until someone spoiled the reveal for me and I was like I have to go see Split in theaters now. And like uh, a half hour later <laughs> I bought a ticket and was in the theater
0: and I was so glad I ended up. I lost actually my mind in the, in the theater. I, I stood up and applauded and I didn't even I like I was the only person much, who knew I stood up any
3: anybody who spoils the ending of an M night movie is I mean, they should be shot. Oh, I mean, really. I look—I mean, looked it up specifically. Oh, yeah. Punishable I, by death. I, sp- sure.
2: I spoil everything for myself. I don't—I don't get a ton of like enjoyment out of reveals anyway. So I very specifically had been like, I wonder how Split ends, and like actively looked into it. It wasn't like accidental that
3: I found that out, oh, um, okay. which is good because so otherwise I never would have found soon, out yeah. and
2: I wouldn't have seen it.
3: <laughs> who who purposely <laughs> looks for like. Oh, I'm, I'm never going to see Saul. Oh, wait, it, that's what happens? I'm going to see it no, now. No, no, honestly,
2: <laughs> you're joking. I'm going to see it now. You're, no, you're joking, but like, so a running joke is that I always Wikipedia things, because I care much more about big picture story a lot of times so like reading a synopsis of something will a lot of times get me a lot of what I wanted out of it anyway so then when I see something like that then I want to go oh I want to see how this plays out in execution even if I know it's a bad movie with like a cool twist or a cool bit so I have 100% done that with movies before I'm trying to think if I've done that with Saw movies specifically because I may
0: have Um, (laughs) not the ideal viewing experience for most people <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Let, let's let's wrap it up. I think yeah. we're uh oh, we're well okay. over the hour and a half mark. Uh I want to still ask you guys if you have any uh, you know, plugs or recommendations as we're starting to do now on the show. So I'll start with you Chad. Any plug or recommendation?
3: Um I would say as far as a plug, uh I'm a big fan of uh, uh Anya Taylor-Joy. I was disappointed she wasn't in this movie more. Um, I would say, um, Morgan, um, if people haven't seen that movie, they should check it out. Uh, she plays, uh, like a hybrid, like cyborg, like created person basically. And she's like,
2: uh, that's her. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: So, um, it's a, I really, really liked it. Uh, I'm a huge fan of her. I, I was disappointed she wasn't in this movie more. Uh, that's my only thing, is that uh, if they do do a, a sequel, which uh, M. Night, of course, is saying he's not going to, he doesn't want to do another well, he f- film here, but uh, I think her is a badass, uh, that's what I want to see. Um, and as far as plugs, I was going to say, uh, everybody listening to this podcast, they need to go to Facebook and like the official M. Night Day uh, uh, Facebook page um, <laughs> Made the 6th cents Be With You which is May 6th is uh, oh, M. Yeah. Night Day so uh, they have to go uh, like that page um, it's a great page uh, I don't know the point of it but I'm the founder of it so um, yeah
0: <laughs> everybody go do that it's amazing <laughs> Uh, Ryan, plugs or... uh, or, Uh, or So not not to be
2: outdone, I will plug my own M. Night Shyamalan Facebook page. This is true. (laughs) 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 This is is true.
0: Seriously, what am I doing (gasps) here? Hold on.
2: Okay, so when I saw Avatar The Last Airbender in theaters, again, I knew nothing about the movie, but I very distinctly remembered... At the end of the movie, uh, you know, Avatar is like going off fucking shop against the main like fire bad guys or whatever. And one of like the head fire bad guys runs away and there's just a scene where he's escaping on a bridge and out of nowhere, four water dudes show up and summon like four goddamn like water dragons that just destroy this guy, like demolish him. And it's significantly more powerful than any of the magic anyone has done throughout the entire film otherwise. And it's just four unnamed dudes. So, I created the Facebook page dedicated to liking those four guys from the end of Avatar. And I think I deleted the page literally two weeks ago. And I'm so regretting it now. But I will look, and I I believe it's literally called Those Four Cool Hooded Guys from the End of Avatar. (laughs) And there's just a picture of, because they like, again, it's supposed to be the most like powerful fire guy in the world. And these unnamed dudes just drown him in midair with water dragons. And it's so much cooler than anything else that happened in the entire movie. And I created that page the day after the movie came out. Because uh, I saw it at the midnight screening, and then it just turned into, like, a shit-posting Facebook group for me and, like, my, like, ninth-grade friends <laughs> for a little bit. So I'm gonna... Uh, I'll share that to the thing that I will actually plug, which is, again, you should definitely join the Piecing It Together podcast uh, movie discussion group. We have a lot of great discussions uh, about the movies, and we get to talk about things that we don't get to talk about in the podcast. Uh, so... Uh, I I will be sharing a link to the incredibly important M Night Shyamalan page there, and I, I assume Chad will as well. So oh, you should yes. uh, you should go join that movie discussion group, um, ju- if nothing else, so you can get the links to the two actual important pages that you should get to on Facebook. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Oh 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 oh. Real real <laughs> well, quick
3: though, funny thing that I read about. Um... Uh, James McAvoy, which he's great in this, as he was in Split. Uh, And he does, like, you know, 20 characters in this one, which is just insane. It's completely hilarious watching the end credits. And they credited
2: them all individually in the (laughs) credits, which I thought was great.
0: Yeah oh that's
2: awesome yeah 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 his name and it's got 20 different
3: names beside it yeah it's awesome they
2: specifically he has 24 personalities and 20 of it make it on camera so they only list the 20 that made it on camera (laughs) with his name next to them which i thought was a great touch they they didn't even list all of them because some of them some of them were edited out he recorded like all 24 so they took the time to be like all right like that mexican personality had like 10 seconds on camera she's in the credits like
3: well, and the funny <laughs> and the funny thing is one of the one of the characters um is based off of I forget her name but the girl from uh Ladybird um
0: uh, Rowan. Yes, yes,
3: yes, yes. Evidently he was in a movie with her a while back uh or something like that.
0: Yeah, he I, I was oh, yeah. one of his yeah
3: yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he he evidently based one of the characters off of uh, her uh cuz he, he he just There was something about her that he loved, uh, how she carried herself, how she talked. And um, his time with her on that film, he based one of the characters off of her, which I thought was pretty funny. That's (laughs) fantastic. It's
2: like a mixed bag of a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. The the, the other
3: thing, because bringing up uh, Taylor Joy again... Uh, she's in the, the new Mutants movie, which has been like... Oh, which is never going to come right. out. <laughs> That's never going to happen. R- right, which <laughs> I've been so excited for that movie for a while, and uh, I, I, hopefully I've it'll come really out this fire, year, but yeah. we'll see. So, anyway.
2: <laughs> I didn't realize she was in it. I mix up her and Haley Steinfeld a lot, so I have oh, to like no, figure out no. which one is which. I, I could
0: see getting them mixed up, though. Well, uh, guys... Thank you. I think this uh I think this is great. Um this is actually the first episode we've recorded for 2019. All the other ones were recorded in 2018 yeah. so far. So uh this is a great start to the new year and looking forward to doing it again soon. Maybe another one of these three-way episodes. This is great. This is awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, Cla- yeah, Glass
3: is definitely the best movie of 2019
1: so far. <laughs> <laughs> for the geek kind. Top
2: geek officials admit they underestimated the hipsters' defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join we Be Geeks and the geek revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weebie
3: Geeks Podcast
2: on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebieGeeks.net.
3: Weebie Geeks, your voice for the geek revolution.
0: Want to know more? All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about glass with Ryan Darty and Chad Clinton Freeman. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too, you know, all over the place with the uh, three people talking, but I think it came out really good. And, uh,. It was a lot of fun talking to them about that movie. Uh, you know, I, I've come over the last week to decide that I did enjoy that movie. Um, I, you know, I still would stop short of saying it was actually good, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and uh, it, it it it's it's. It's fine, as I said multiple times to the episode. So uh, anyway, um, as always, I want to remind you to please rate and review Piecing It Together on iTunes if you enjoy the show. And make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice. Also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. Follow us on social media at Pod. And get in touch. We we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about all the episodes, what you're thinking about the puzzle pieces, if we missed any. Um, we, we we we'd love to hear from you guys. So we we thank you for listening and we would love to hear more from you. Um we also just got reviewed on a podcast called Pee on the Pods and uh where they, they kind of roast podcasts, um, and they really could barely find anything to To roast us about they liked it so much so that was pretty cool um so it's always good to know that people are listening and they're actually enjoying the show so if you're enjoying the show let us know So that's it for now. Uh, We were supposed to do Halloween this week, and we do have that episode recorded. And uh, we're just going to have to push it to next week unless something else pushes it out of the way. At this point, Halloween, I mean, it's not going to be a very timely episode, but it is coming. It's recorded, and we'll get it in there one of these days. I'm sure uh, Michael Myers and all them aren't going to mind too much. And plus you know spoiler alert we didn't really like the movie that much so uh they, they probably aren't going to want to hear it anyway but uh that's it for today i'm going to leave you guys with a piece of my music hmm, what should i play you know I, I never really played this one on the show before i don't think uh this is a song called moving backwards from one of my free albums called further into the dark check it out and we'll be back next week with another episode of piecing it together Thank you.